Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Uh, This episode, we're going to dive deep into um, a rather long and slightly technical discussion around intermittent fasting with my dear friend, uh, Zane Griggs, who frankly, is a fasting expert and just a real inspiration uh, from a fitness uh, standpoint. Uh, We're going to cover several things. One of them is uh, how our entire uh, fitness industry really has become about managing a fed state uh, as opposed to um, actually improving your health. We're also going to dig into the history of intermittent fasting, what it means, um, and how to practically apply it in your life. Um, we do a really neat talk around metabolic versus mechanical stress uh, in, in, in the gym and, and how it's super important to capture both of those uh, in your workouts. And he's going to give uh, three incredibly practical tips uh, for anybody who's interested in uh, improving their quality of their workouts, the quality of their life, and not spending their entire day in the gym. And um, I think you're going to find it really useful. Let's jump into the show. I couldn't be more excited about today's guest. He's a dear friend of mine, Zane Griggs. Zane has been in the fitness industry and a weight loss coach since 1998. Some of his accomplishments include working directly with the participants of season one and season four of ABC's Extreme Weight Loss. And he recently wrote his first book, which is excellent, by the way, called Low Carb Lifestyle and Weight Loss Made Simple. Uh, Zane's decades of frustration with the standard dietary recommendations pushed by mainstream media, pop culture, and the fitness industry motivated him to dig deeper into how humans actually respond to food in order to help his clients achieve both optimal fitness and longevity. Zane, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. It's been a long time coming. I know you and I have conversations all the time around... um, kind of the state of the union right and um how can truth be so evident but yet so hard to find um it's for guys like you and i and for for folks who are really seekers of truth and seekers of impact and results um it's so clear that the overwhelming majority of folks uh are doing it ineffectively um and uh, it's just a real honor to have you here. I, I really, um, as a guy who has spent a decade in the weight loss space, mm-hmm. um, I find very few people along my journey who impress me um, to the level that you have impressed me with your understanding of nutritional biochemistry, Thank you. Uh, physiology, uh, and specifically nutrition and biochemistry as it pertains to performance uh, longevity and optimal living. And so I'm really excited to kind of extract some of your knowledge and wisdom, practical applications, tips, tricks for our listeners so they can have a better life. Um, you know, uh, it, it, uh, this is purely for uh, the purposes of improving both the length and quality of folks' lives. Absolutely. 
Um, so before we get going, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, what you're up to, maybe a little bit about your background, um, and then we can jump into some more formal stuff. Okay. Well, I grew up in California, but moved out here about 20, Nashville, 21 uh, years ago, shortly after I started training people. Uh, and I really didn't, you know, at that point, it was more of a, a point of curiosity. I got in the fitness industry because I just found myself, every time I met a trainer, I asked him 20 questions. Mm-hmm. So it was just something that I like, I, I want to follow a passion, like something yeah. I had a real interest in the way our bodies work. I uh, had had that for probably, at that point, eight, ten years. Just a natural curiosity. A natural curiosity for mm-hmm. it. And I said, you know what, I think I would enjoy what I do a lot more if I had the natural curiosity to dig deeper and and really figure things out while I'm doing it. You know, uh-huh. that's just it's just to part get of, in the game as a practitioner. Yeah, and and be able to pass that on. And so when, as I found that um, what I was doing, following what I was what I taught, what I was told to do, following what I I, I learned, it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. It wasn't effective mm-hmm. with my clients. Um, and. So, you know, things can work with a 20-year-old, 25-year-old, but when you get them into, you know, you get to a 40-year-old or a 45-year-old and feeding them like you would feed a, a 20-year-old athlete, it's not the same. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. So mm-hmm. that's when I, I, I started digging a little deeper and to find out, well, what, it, what is really, how do we really work? So how does our bodies work? How do our bodies mm-hmm. respond to um, fat, carbohydrates, um, Exercise. How much? How effective is that for? For instance, most everybody wanted to lose weight, mm-hmm. and almost a universal desire. It's, universe, it's like everybody wanted to lose weight. Yeah. To lose weight. If they're going to bother to come to a trainer, mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of their primary goals. Yeah, the, the big guys in the gym pushing all the the heavy weight. They don't. They're not going to go see a trainer. They, they they know what they they have. They they're happy uh, doing what they're doing. The people who needed help wanted to lose weight, and everything I was telling them really was ineffective. And so that's what hmm. kind of drove me to, to, to dig deeper because hmm. I saw it's, it, it just didn't make sense in the practical application. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't make sense in the practical application, it doesn't matter if it's written in a textbook or the theory or the, whatever they yeah. showed in their, in their lab, in their test, you know, two weeks with a 20-year-old figuring out, you know, does, does mm-hmm. carbohydrate restriction make any difference on caloric restriction or, you know, comparing these things. It didn't um, – it it didn't matter until you got it being lived by someone who was really struggling with it, mm-hmm. who's already beyond the point of fit, and who who needs to turn turn their body around, yeah. and reverse where they were. You know, your story is really interesting. I, I've known you for a long time, and I I, I don't think I made that connection. Um, our our stories are very similar. Um, you know, I went into medicine with these grand ideas of being impactful and changing people's lives mm-hmm. and nearly walking away from medicine going into my third year of residency because I had this epiphany one day that I was really struggling finding one person who I was making a difference to. Mm. I get it. <laughs> Yet I'd been selected to be chief resident. Everyone's telling me I'm doing a good job. I'm I'm I'm. I'm being acknowledged for the work I was doing, yet my own audit of my experience was I can think of like three people in two years that I feel like I've genuinely made a difference. Everybody else, their diabetes got worse, their weight got worse, the blood pressure got worse, their acid reflux, chronic pain, insomnia, fatigue, depression. It all got worse. Right. Yeah. 
And it's that – and you know, it's, it's funny. To me, a lot of people who become thought leaders um, – really impactful in the marketplace are people who are moving along with the herd, but realize that you have to innovate science changes. Uh, there are better, faster, simpler ways to achieve the main goal. The, the challenge becomes there are big economics that get built on the back of these processes. And even though they get old and tired, uh, it's very hard to steer those away and you have to kind of break out and do your own thing. And, I have long understood the dilemma that a trainer has because if you have a purebred, fitness-minded, impact-minded trainer who genuinely is going into fitness to help improve the lives of their clients, Mm -hmm. and that trainer is being honest, they know 80 plus percent of the results that the client is paying them to get, it's not going to be had in the gym. It's what they put in their mouth. The problem is they pay trainers to train them. Right. Not listen to your commentary on diet. Right. So the dilemma is it's been so clear to me and everybody pursues weight loss in the gym, which is fine, except you, you can't outrun your mouth. Right. It's an hour of behavioral change versus a whole day of behavioral Correct. change. <laughs> Correct. And so this is fascinating to me that I'm uh, – <clears throat> we've had probably hundreds of hours of conversation and now I'm just making this connection that I bet that was hard. You know, it here is. you are. Yeah. <laughs> the struggle is because real. Of, because the concept of the people coming to you is they're paying for time to work out. Yeah. It's time to be led through a workout. Yeah. And and the time to talk about their diet, what they did that week, and it's like in between breaths, or it's five minutes, or it's an afterthought, and it's like addressing what really is impacting their life, their health, the effectiveness of the workout yeah. is the afterthought. It's not what they're paying for in their mm. mind. It's not the way the the industry has been packaged, as you said, to be sold. Mm-hmm. Is not it, that's a dietitian? Oh, that's when you go see the dietitian mm. who is kind of calculating calories of what was your estimated calories of your workout. There's no coming together of those. Um, Which, by the way, the last thirty-five to forty years of nutritional science is essentially nutritional heresy. Uh, yeah, you have to tell me. <laughs> I, I, I know, but yeah. so, believe me, because so, I'm finding what's be, what they're being told yeah, by the nutritionists, the doctors. At every level, yeah. you're getting attacked by legacy thesis, which is, uh, you know, eat less, exercise more. Um, you need 150 grams of carbohydrates a day. Um, you know, you need to eat three meals a day with multiple snacks. Like, there's so much information out there. Most people are so confused and they go to somebody who studied dietetic science. The challenge is. Yeah. The textbooks are wrong. It's wrong. (laughs) The textbooks are wrong. And I'm coming up against people who in the mind uh, in uh, it. Well, not just in the mind of the client, but on paper with the little letters coming after them, they have the greater authority given. They have the greater certification, the greater degree. Yeah. But man, listen, the, I have an MD. I am a board-certified physician. Yeah. However, if I could tell you, it is so hard. 
I, for a decade, I was in the weight loss space. Mm-hmm. Even as a physician, I'm beating down the doors. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's interesting, doc. <laughs> no, it, it, it goes far beyond like who's saying it. It's that there's so many people not saying it, that most of the people aren't saying it. However, yeah. I will say I've been out of the weight loss, exclusively the weight loss space for about three years. I still do weight loss, but not outside of the confines of my private clients. There's a grumbling. And you, you can f- I can feel uh, this rumble of truth beginning to surface. Definitely. Yeah. Um, there, uh, it's, it's been really fun for me to see guys and gals out there who have audiences who are very influential begin to speak a narrative that is much more in line with human biochemistry, physiology, biology, and actual practical chemistry, mm-hmm. as opposed to a uh, doctrine that keeps big grain companies very profitable, right. which subsequently keep drug companies that treat the diseases that the grains are feeding profitable, that keep the hospitals loaded with sick patients treating the end-stage diseases that are fueled by the diet. And like the whole game, every layer is being fed with multi, with a B, billion-dollar industries. Yeah. But we're starting to see this kind of grassroots effort where they're, people are speaking out. And – you well, know, they can be heard now because they have internet and they have social media and correct. they can actually build a platform. Whereas before it was the only the authorities had the entire platform. They had the television. Yeah. They had the government behind them. Yeah. They had the pamphlets, the, the, the school, the education. They have the certifications behind them. So they can back up what they're teaching mm-hmm. with their certifications, with their authority. But now, I mean, thanks to what we're doing here in yeah. social media, we can actually get ideas out. And those that resonate with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. You have the early adopters coming in who yep. are experimental, yes. who, who who will play with it and say, that makes sense to me. That's what I've found. And then you can – that's your rumbling. It makes like me you so can, excited. You can build a following yeah. of people who yeah. resonate, and then you you feed each other with ideas. And the ideas flow, which is the yeah. idea of the internet, is a flow of ideas. That's what moves faster. Selfishly, one of my only regrets – I try not to live my life with regrets. <laughs> However, I do have a few. I have several. Uh, I only wish I would have documented 10 years ago my rants about this. Now, I had them with people one-on-one, but it wasn't documented. Right. Um, Because I'm seriously, I've been saying this for a decade. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of power uh, in historical accuracy. But but look, you know, biochemistry is biochemistry. Once you once you know truth, you can't unknow it. You can choose to ignore it. That's that's a separate discussion. But so many people, and I find um, most people, they mean well. I've met a lot of nutritionists. They mean well. They're they're they have very strong convictions. They want to help people with diabetes. They want to help people with hypertension or heart failure. And they're prescribing a diet based on the thesis that they were taught. And they're coming from a great place. Their intent is good. Right. The challenge is if you give a diabetic a diabetic tray that's filled with uh, fruit instead of cake, you're giving that patient the same amount of insulin on the back end. You're doing no good. Right. It's a false sense of value add. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we're not going to talk about dietetics today. That's not why we're here today. Oh, um, too bad. But, but it's a great um, – it, it's, it's really neat for me to know that we have that in common um, that I did not know. Um, oh, yeah. So today's, today's episode is really about um, something that I know you are deeply, deeply, deeply passionate about. It's something that I have been aware of for probably five years. Mm. I have been – um, curious and dabbling for 18 to 24 months. Um, but m- more recently, uh, especially as you and I really started to um, increase the frequency of our conversations and training together, mm-hmm. um, fasting. Oh, yeah. this, is a, th- this is a topic that um, I'm a multi-passionate guy. Some people call it ADD. I just call it multi-passionate. Um, the entrepreneurial I, mind is what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just <clears> – <throat> I can't think of another topic that is more intriguing to me in the summer of 2019 than, than fasting. And um, this episode really is about picking the mind, the brain of a guy who has been very bullish on this. Um, not just for your clients, but in your own life. This is, this is a, this is, um, right. It's self experimentation here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you yeah. know, one of the things that's been fascinating for me, because I, like many people approach fasting from a diet standpoint. Sure. That's my initial taste of fasting right. is, well, that's an interesting strategy to lose some fat. Um, and that's how probably most people dip their toe in the pool as you and i over the last three months have been talking my mind has been on fire with the idea that this actually the 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 dietary fat burning is kind of actually even though it was the primary thing i went after initially it's actually the side benefit of right right this incredible strategy that can become for lack of a better term your secret weapon mm-hmm. um, from a health, longevity, performance, um, vitality, creativity, um, energy. Oh, yeah, by the way, fat loss, all the vanity metrics. It checks all those boxes for, right. sure. for sure. But not at the cost of not reducing heart disease, reducing diabetes and insulin resistance and hypertension, uh, depression. This is really a secret weapon for the optimal um, for an optimized human. Right. And longevity is being the, yeah. the ultimate goal because we all want to live, not just live longer, but live better while we're living longer. Correct. <laughs> the, the, the concept that I talk about often is, you know, when I talk about longevity, it's actually, it doesn't do a good service to what I'm really trying to say because longevity implies you just live a long time. More years. Yeah. yeah and, and I want those years, but I also want layered on top of those years Vitality, quality, impact. Life. Yeah, yeah, so almost like a health span, uh, as opposed to um, um, a lifespan. Right. Um, we, we want health in those years, um, and so this is uh, this is a really exciting episode for me, and I'm really excited that we get to dig into this, and and I, I can't wait to learn from you, and I can't wait to hear um, how other folks. Um, are impacted by what we're about to go over. Let's jump in with the first concept that you taught me, uh, which was this spectrum that we live in as humans, uh, the fed 
and the fasted states. Can, can you talk a little bit about okay. what you mean when you say fed and fasted? What does that mean? So, well, that's, yeah, it is a spectrum. So to say there's a, you know, a, a hard line somewhere would, would, from person to person would be sort of um, probably a little too dogmatic, but there is a, it's a spectrum. But as you come in a fasted, because from what point that you were last fed, mm-hmm. um, you know, three hours since your last meal does not count as fasted. Obviously, because mm-hmm. blood sugar's still up, insulin could be still up. Um, you definitely have food in your in your gut. You've got um, liver glycogen is still still you know pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, fasted, generally, uh, you are you are burning body fat. So let's let's start from the beginning. Blood sugar is low or at normal levels, and insulin is not up. Okay, so we know that. So is that how you would define a fasted state? That is the beginning of. Okay not being fed okay if that makes sense yeah so you aren't you aren't you don't have blood sugar up so uh insulin is low you're not your in body can access mode. fat you're not in storage <coughs> mode so you can actually access body fat mm-hmm. if your body is tuned to burn that efficiently or g- generally speaking you can you're you're capable of accessing body fat fasted the way i would describe it is usually about 12 hours mm-hmm. After probably the last time you ate, so certainly maybe at least eight. I think most people at, would say at, at least eight. At least eight, mm-hmm. but twelve is a, twelve is where I, I have seen looking at um, the, the if you want to call it the charts, the diagrams, where the fat, the reliance on fat, stored fat for fuel starts to ramp up. Yeah, and sure. so from that point, you are you are digging a little deeper into body fat for your fuel it's getting mm-hmm. it's ideally becoming more efficient there's more demand to be for it to become mm-hmm. more efficient mobilizing that fat because mobilizing there's, there's, fat, there's no other you, energy available well not just mobilizing it but then utilizing as fuel because in the at the muscle side of the muscle mm-hmm. uh there has to be some added efficiency at turning that into atp and for and so the more you do it the more efficient your body gets mm-hmm. at actually converting that into fuel at a quicker level Okay. Yeah, so you're saying getting into fasting, let's just call it 12 hours. Okay. As, as you become better at operating, functioning in a fasted state, you actually become – there's a process of increasing your efficiency. Exactly. In to a fast. Where, to where you can actually – you might start releasing ketones a little sooner or mm-hmm. at a higher level sooner. Mm-hmm. And people who, who fast frequently or they intermittent fast or long-term fasting mm-hmm. more frequently or even with a keto – diet they the more they do it the quicker and more efficiently their body starts using ketones right. or producing ketones for fuel yeah so that's why there's a spectrum there mm-hmm. and it can be worked on become more efficient i think with we call that adaptation right adaptation but more efficient with practice basically mm-hmm. yeah you get adapted to or it you can almost call upon it when you're really adapted well you people who do it often can almost very quickly, they don't need those full 12 hours to probably be in a fasted state because they're so insulin sensitive. They're so – their body's like, oh, yeah, we've been here before. We understand what we're doing. The muscles know – everybody knows what's going on. Right. In the beginning, it can be really hard. Oh, yes. There is definitely an adaptation mm-hmm. point. Even just cutting carbohydrates back because oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a dependence on having – most people are just dependent on having some level of blood sugar in their body uh, higher than normal. Yes. Okay. All the time. Yeah, and actually, it even goes even deeper, and I'm going to put my doctor hat on just for a second. But this, this, I often talk to people about 
one of one of the easiest ways to kind of navigate through all of the noise when we talk about optimal human living is to go to the original design. What's the design? And the design is the, the human body has a purpose. Yeah. And that purpose is to stay alive. Right. That's the ultimate driving force is life. Secondarily, it's to create new life. Right. But the primary goal is to not die. Right. And every system you have by design is to uh, support uh, continued life. And then you have backup to backup to backup to backup plans. Now, as humans, you need uh, – well, every living thing needs energy. Right. So we need fuel. Grass needs fuel. Dogs need fuel. Yes. Humans need fuel. Humans, as opposed to a blade of grass, blades of grass get energy from the sun – yeah. They produce glucose from the sun. They don't eat. Humans have to consume nutrition. Right. And nutrition is the fuel that keeps us alive. But if you dig even deeper, then you say, well, if you have multiple sources of fuel, we actually have three, mm-hmm. protein, fats, and carbs, does your body have a preference? And this is where I get sideways with a lot of the like nutritional talk where it's like, oh, well, your body – your brain wants sugar. Well, of course it does. Mm-hmm. That's by design. Right. But it's not because it's the best. It's because it's the most readily available, most abundant, easiest to burn, and easiest to store. Right. It's easy. And if your whole job is to stay alive, and you could stay alive easily or with more effort, Right. Your body will always choose easy. The path of least resistance. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all, all conservation mechanism. Right. By the way, prior to 1950, there used to be things called famines. Right. And there are no such thing as famines anymore. Not in this country. No. Not in, not in civilized, the civilized world. We, we are the opposite end of the spectrum, which is abundance. We are constantly... Um, overfed. It, overfed. <laughs> and so... Yeah. This concept is really, really fascinating to me because I think it's important to first establish what fasting is. And I I think Mm -hmm. loosely we can say um, 12 hours of not consuming any form of calories, thereby forcing your designed biochemistry and physiology to find other sources of fuel other than glucose. Right. Right? Stored sources of fuel. Yeah. The the, the famine stores. Well, and – the the fear and the misconception, I think, comes from what we've been told, mm-hmm. but there's a fear of – and a natural survival mechanism to be fed if food's around. We want to feed and we want to yeah. store fuel, and we overconsume more than we need in the moment to store, and that's a survival mechanism. But there's a fear of not being fed all the time or not having food or not having eaten in, that's, that's a c- combination of survival and – misinformation. Mm-hmm. And so people think about 12 hours without food right now and they kind of they kind of they they're a little cautious, they're a little hesitant, but yet that was quite normal even 50 years ago where oh, people yeah. ate breakfast at 8, lunch at noon, dinner at 6, and then there was a natural 12, 13, 14 hour fasted period overnight in their lifestyle whereas now if they look at the, our habits we're not eating three meals a day anymore. We're eating three meals plus two, three, four we're told snacks. we need to eat every two to three hours. And we're eating over the p- period of 15 or 16 hours with a very much shorter 
fasting mm-hmm. period of, of say eight maybe hours mm-hmm. eat before bed so i could sleep better and then they eat as soon as they get up in the morning if they hear a gurgle they they're famished they're hungry oh, yeah. they think they're hungry mm-hmm. meanwhile they're carrying weight they know they want to get rid of yeah and so our bodies were meant to if you if you go back you said 1950 yeah and well, I use that as a critical date in history only because of mass agriculture. Mass agriculture, yes, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if you go back a little to where people had to actually find their food, they had to hunt for their food, they had to grow their own food, or they had to somehow go go get it because we didn't have refrigerators and freezers mm-hmm. backed up not only in our house but in our garage. We didn't have food on every corner. Um, we didn't have to create our own food. Mm-hmm. So going a f- number of hours without eating was normal and yeah. and if you th- go back hunter gatherer ancestral period um eating once a day was a luxury oh yeah <laughs> you know and it's because they went out and killed it and brought it back and everybody ate mm-hmm. and it was that's why my what i get into with um with trying to describe the way i way i live the way i work out is the you know it's the fast the the hunt and the feast i love that where we have you know you're you're fasted you're 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 burning you're the stored Fat, you're accessing it. It's efficient, mm-hmm. and when your body's like that, it actually it's not being run down. It actually ramps up energy. Mm-hmm. It ramps up adrenaline mm-hmm. and other hormones that actually mobilize those fatty acids and give us more energy. Uh, uh, norepinephrine. I mean, all these great energy hormones that release the energy that we've got stored on us. And this is why we drink coffee. I mean, it helps release. It's the same idea, mm-hmm. but we do that naturally. We do it when we wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Cortisol's up. Adrenaline's up. You know, we get a little burst of, of glucose from our liver and we're awake. We actually have breakfast given to us by our body yep. that doesn't take us out of normal blood sugar levels. It's just enough to wake us up. Mm-hmm. But so they had to get up. They had to go find food and they brought it back and they exerted themselves to get that food where they had to carry it back where they had to chase it down kill it yep. then carry it back yep. so there's exertion that sounds hard by the way it, that's a lot of work that sounds like they were pretty resilient yeah and strong explosive and yeah fast. it's explosive it's fast and then there's a lot of slow walking mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's not you know they're mm-hmm. not for a jog mm-hmm. but they had to carry things mm-hmm. they had to kill things they had, again like you said the explosive fat they had to chase things down mm-hmm. they had to defend themselves mm-hmm. um so they managed to exert this force without having without breakfast preloaded <laughs> without their pre-workout yeah uh, i mean there was no pantry right you didn't no roll out of your bed with 18 the, boxes of cereal. <laughs> yeah, and ha- have your uh, your morning load before you go out and hunt. Like, no, there was a real risk that you didn't come back. There was a real, and if you were able to make a kill, you have to bring that kill back. Yes. And then there's bad guys. What if the bad guy wants to eat too? Now you <clears throat> just when you think the fight is over, now you got to fight to keep what you fought to get. Absolutely. It, um, other being, predators. Being other a predators. human used to be really hard. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it used to be really, 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 really. Top of the food chain, but still pretty difficult to live. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we were smart, and we, we, we create angles and leverage and tools, tools. Yeah. to help us multiply our efforts. But this, this notion around breakfast being the most important meal of the day, you know, I, this is a fascinating uh, story. Um, I... True confession. I always kind of just assumed that was old wisdom. Like, it just sounds like something that would just be passed down for hundreds of years. This, that grandma 
in every generation was right. Breakfast is the most important meal today. My mind was blown about a year ago when I realized that is actually the product of a grape nuts commercial yes. in the 70s. Yep. Yep. You want to talk about effective marketing. That's when the- you shift <laughs> culture. It's effective for something. <laughs> selling grape nuts. Yeah. Se- selling cereals. Selling cereal. When you can infuse a brand new idea and it is universally adopted <laughs> yeah. as truth to the level where you – just assume it predates its actual origin, that's an effective marketing campaign. Um, I would actually debate that the least important meal of the day is breakfast. Kind of the opposite. Yeah, well, like I said, we're, we're... You're already we're, fasting. Your body's already working yeah. to keep you in biochemical harmony, and then you mess it up the moment you put something in your mouth. Right, we interrupt that. And it's yes. part of our circadian rhythm that wakes us up. I mean, it's just part of... Yep. Heart rate goes up, you know... Low glucose release from liver, like I said, adrenaline's up. Even testosterone starts to starts to starts to peak a little bit. I mean, everything is is working to get you moving, to get you out hunting, working. Yeah, go take get bring home what it is you need to bring home mm-hmm. for survival. There is and, and by eating, like you said, and and having insulin go up, we are interrupting. A lot. We're interrupting the certainly the fat burning. The design. We're interrupting the original design. The design from the from day one of human history. Well, it's even a balance of of it's the balance of fasted and fed, as opposed to just being fed, 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 fed. Yes, there's a balance. Ma- managing a fed state, which is where we are. Right. Let's manage our fed state, but we're chronically fed. Without the fast. Yes. yes. There's no burning. There's just storing. No. And it, so let's take a look around at 70% of the population. 70% of the U.S. population is overweight or obese. Um, yeah. We, we now have zero states in the 50 states that are less than 20%. Colorado, I think, was the last one to fall. There's yeah. some healthy folks who like to mountain climb in Colorado. But um, maybe it was the legal marijuana. Maybe they started eating too many yeah. Doritos and yeah. brownies. Um, <laughs> but But, but – we have – and certainly in the um, southern states, we're seeing um, greater than 35 percent obesity rates in adults, um, not even to discuss pediatric obesity rates. This is not, um, this is not a, an episode about that, but it just speaks to the state of the union. To walk through Target right now, two out of three adults that you pass will be overweight or obese. It's actually become an anomaly. Right. To be lean. Right. Prior to 1950, do you have any idea what the obesity rate was in this country? I believe it was... Less than 10? 5%. Oh, okay. 5. Okay. I was thinking less than 10. If you... Prior to 1950, if you had the means to be heavy, mm-hmm. that was weird. Like, first of all, how are you... How are you heavy? Like, there's just not that much food. Right. And... Yeah, it post-war. Was, yeah. It was hard to be yeah. a human in 1950. You had to work. There's a lot of manual labor. Um, but like I said life was simpler. The schedule was different. Yep. People still ate three meals a day. Yes. And they weren't, you know, they were with family or they were with. But it's prior to the infusion of mass agriculture, high fructose corn syrup. Th- these are all the things that really kind of started fueling these. And a lot of marketing. And a lot of marketing. Yeah. I mean, come on. Breakfast bars, snack bars, snack for this, yeah. snack for fitness, pre-work. We are sold food and that we have to eat food all the time. Magazines, mm. commercials, 
it doesn't this is it, good. your trainer I, <laughs> this, this, this is a this is a concept. Your of, trainer selling you supplements. Your trainer selling you bars. Your trainer selling you. Not that they're all supplements are bad or all these things are. Enough, but we're oversold food. Mm-hmm. We're oversold eat, and then it became a health paradigm. Yep. To eat five or six times a day to boost your metabolism. The biggest lie mm-hmm. coming out of the fitness industry while they're trying to help you lose weight. Mm-hmm. Five or six times a day, so never burn fat. If we, yeah. All you have to do is look at insulin levels, yeah. what insul- blood sugar and insulin levels do, how, off, how high – I mean, you're, you're an MD. After you eat a 500-calorie or, say, a 400-calorie meal that's a balanced meal, how long is your blood sugar up? How long is your insulin up? Three, four hours probably? Uh, depends on your insulin sensitivity. That's true. So there's, how- there, that graph depends. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing that my – Many of my colleagues are still confused about, which I used to get really mad. Mm -hmm. And now I just have empathy. I'm like, my goodness. You're better (laughs) than I am. I'm still mad. You're still mad. It's okay. It's a process thing. You got to move through that, man. I know. There's grace on the other side. Oh, well. Um, Basic biochemistry. (laughs) Don't go there. Yeah. God forbid you. (laughs) Off the biochemistry book. (laughs) Insulin blocks lipolysis. Right. Insulin blocks fat burning. Mm -hmm. You cannot, under any situation biochemically, burn fat when glucose is elevated. Uh, I'm sorry, when insulin is present. Right. When insulin is present, yeah. 100% of physicians when they take their uh medical licensing exam on the step one know the answer to that question absolutely insulin is an inhibitor of lipolysis absolutely it actually stimulates lipogenesis Genesis, yeah. it's a fat making hormone yet we have amnesia and we forget because Drug companies are very, very, very persuasive. Food companies are very, very, very persuasive. And uh, I always said the most mismanaged disease on the planet is diabetes. Uh, Without a doubt. You know, no disease will outpace diabetes worldwide in the next 20 years over diabetes. Not one. I know. It is is the health epidemic. It has the power to take down the entire healthcare system. Just that one disease. We're not talking about cancer. Worldwide. Worldwide. Take down the entire economies. Yeah. Um, yet, you're telling me these people need 150 grams of carbs a day? We're chasing bad diets with drugs. So back to your thesis, we, we begin to eat more and more. We lose our, by design, elegantly woven periods of fasting mm-hmm. along with our manual labor and our exertional part of the formula because that's part of the formula too. Right. Then we get sold the idea that you need to eat every two to three hours as a human, which then fuels the flames of a disease, which then becomes very profitable to treat those diseases with medication. And we have shifted our entire focus to the management of disease as opposed to elimination of disease. The conversation around diabetics is never fix the diet. It's I got to get your insulin right. Get your blood sugar down. Hey, we got to give 
uh, Mrs. Jones a sliding scale after we eat. Well, why do you have to do that? Well, because every time she eats, her blood sugar goes up. Well, what are you giving her? Biscuits. Yeah. But we got to give it to her because her blood sugar will go down. Not unless you give her the insulin. Can I argue with you for a second? Go for it. Okay. I don't argue directly with you, but with that, with that approach is, yeah, they're managing glucose. Well, I'm speaking on their behalf, not yeah. me. Okay. Good. <laughs> I no, get it. I, I hate get it. it. No. I they're managing it. glucose. They're not actually managing her insulin. No. Because her insulin's already high. She has hyperinsulinemia. No, insulin's the answer. They're not managing insulin. No, they're managing insulin's the answer. They're more. So they're so they're managing blood sugar. Yeah. So they're basically sweeping it to somewhere else by giving her more insulin. Yeah. They're taking something they don't want to see, which is sugar in the blood, and they're just putting it they're sticking it somewhere else, which is shoving the muscle, shoving the liver, yeah, but, getting it where they, where they can't see it. But diabetics' muscles aren't depleted of sugar. They've been overloaded. They have no need for sugar. A diabetic's free glucose all goes to fat. All of it. If they're not exerting the glycogen in the skeletal muscle. But that's you know that. I know. And I know that. But the theory about diabetes is that the muscles being is internal starvation and so you gotta give them insulin to shove the glucose into the muscle because it's it's a lock and key thing and the the muscle's been uh made insensitive or it's 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 resistant for because it just got tired of of listening wrong or because not not that because it's full yeah so so instead of realizing maybe the glucose isn't going in because the muscle's full or the liver's full Mm -hmm. and and creating more fat Mm -hmm. they're saying Oh, the muscle's just not responding, but it's probably starving to death. Let's shove more glucose in there. My goodness. Uh, so we shove the, the glucose out of the way. Let's manage the glucose, not manage the insulin. If they're looking actually looking at insulin levels, they would see insulin's already high. You, you deal with hormones on a regular basis. If someone's thyroid was too high, would you give them more thyroid? Of course not. No. No. But if someone's thyroid's low, then you would. But so, we, so, so a type 1 diabetic has low insulin. We give them insulin to keep them alive. Yeah, this discussion is not for di- type one diabetics. They need insulin or they're dead. Right? Oh, they're gonna th- they thin out. They get, but they're skinny. Mm-hmm. You give insulin to a, a diabetic who a type two diabetic, they only get fat, fatter. They it gain only makes weight, fat. and then it's chronic and progressive yes. because the treatment doesn't work. The answer is always more insulin. <laughs> right. Even for, though that's the problem, is more insulin. Correct. Uh, to a point. Well, the problem is, as I would call it. The holy grail. The holy grail of health is a normal blood sugar. Everything improves once you have normalized blood sugar. The problem is we chase our tail with the treatment of diabetics. We give them high-carb diets, and then we give them insulin, and and we manage these overfed states, and we call it good management. And it's garbage. This is why all diabetics get sick. This is why all of them end up with heart disease. This is why all of them end up with stroke. This is why all of them end up fat. And all of them end up on more and more and more insulin. The answer is always more insulin. When really, we're chasing the diet. Yes, the answer's got to be insulin. There's no other way to do it. If you keep putting sugar in the system, the only mechanism your body has to lower glucose hormonally is insulin. Or exercise, but that... Exercise only do so much. How, how, how are you going to get someone who's 40 pounds overweight to burn more than two or 300 calories in a workout and then not turn around and replace it? And think they did really good and eat a banana smoothie. I could tell you what I've heard from – I've had diabetic clients mm-hmm. 
who are on, who, according to doctor's orders, as they should, taking their insulin. And I don't mess with that yeah, as a no, trainer. Yeah. However, when I suggest not eating oh, they go crazy. breakfast. <gasps> How could you do that to my or diabetic? Not eat, but I have to take my insulin. Mm-mm. And I'm like, you're taking the insulin because of your breakfast. You don't eat breakfast because Correct. you're insulin. Correct. But that's how it's been yes, it's spun. Spun and presented. You have mm-hmm. to eat breakfast so you can take your insulin. I'm like, does someone not see the problem, the irony, the the sick, the sickness being, you know, just being exacerbated by this habit of let's take our food for the medicine rather than the medicine for the food. So absolutely, uh, that. That always really <laughs> frustrated me. I got out of the weight loss space for a lot of these reasons. <laughs> I mean, um, talk about frustrating. It's like, just no one else see the logic here. Oh. And it can't get a doctor to turn off. Doctor supplements with a patient. How long do you think they're going to spend with a patient's trainer? Zero. <laughs> they're going to return a call? No. No. Can we work together? No. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, what I've run up against, not only from doctors, not only from my industry, uh, is we have a we have a problem we want to feed for every activity. Mm-hmm. So come in, have a better workout, have a stronger workout, so you better eat first. Mm-hmm. Well, why are they there? Are they mm-hmm. there to, com- to compete in college athletics? Mm-hmm. Probably not, because they're a 45-year-old executive or a 45-year-old uh, working mom who's got kids to deal with and, and, and a job and things to balance. And she's not, she's lucky if she gets in a two or three hours of exercise in a week and we're feeding her workouts so she can have a stronger workout. Why does she, is, did she come in here to get a stronger workout? She come in here to move better, feel better, maybe fit back in the jeans she wore five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same with guys. They want to. They want to fit in their pants. They want to stop rolling over the top of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to move better. Their their body's bogging down. Their blood sugar's up and down. They're losing focus uh, because blood sugar's up and down. They they're they're not. They're carrying like 20, 30 pounds extra weight. Mm-hmm. Why are we feeding them to work? Out, especially carbs, carb them up, preload. Yeah, they're not gonna. They're not about to run a marathon. They're mm-hmm. gonna come in and do a half hour or, or forty five minute or sixty minute workout, in for the purpose of reducing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just didn't make sense. It's not logical. And by the way, the calories that they're burning during that workout that they've just preloaded are the calories they just ate. It's the blood sugar. Yeah, it's the blood sugar they just put in. So how much do they have to burn through? Yeah. If you just gave them two hundred calories. Of starch, or let's say it's let's say it's seventy five calories, but the blood sugar's up, the insulin's up until that blood sugar comes down. Then even beginning to get fat, and and, and how much of that? Then they still have two thousand calories worth of glycogen in their system. Correct. The bottom line is, no amount of exercise will undo a bad diet, and until we fix what we put in our mouth, mm. you're 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 literally. Like a rat on a treadmill yep. with, the, with the syrup hanging down right in front of you. <laughs> and if you're really, 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 really committed and you have incredibly effective fitness practices, the best case scenario of preloading is that you net neutral. I mean, in my experience, I, m- m- maybe you, you get back to baseline and it creates some – but you're not burning fat. Mm-mm. 
like you, you have to make dietary changes. It's at least 80% diet. For sure, the whole journey. If you're trying, to, especially if you're trying to reverse something, I if you're maintaining, how frustrating that was. For if you. you're maintaining, meanwhile, you're selling exercise <laughs> and, and you, trying to get ideas in in between. Win perfect, sets. yeah. You contribute twenty percent to your client's result that they're seeking. No wonder you sought other ways to do it. So, let's talk about intermittent fasting. Okay, you know this is a really like um, it's a hot term. Oh, it's um, everywhere. You know, it's not quite as hot as the ketogenic diet the last couple of years. Um, you know, I've been talking about nutritional ketosis for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what we are talking about is burning fat for ke- ketones. Right. Through the, you know, the conversion of triglycerides into ketones. That's ketosis. That's a ketogenic, a diet that induces this ketotic state. That's the ketogenic diet. Now it's a, it's mm-hmm. a big thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there is a surge of interest around um, fasting, and I know for me personally, um, I've always been a very uh, moderately carb-controlled kind of guy because my thesis is that a normal blood sugar is the holy grail. So anything that maps a stabilized, normalized blood sugar, which limits your exposure to insulin and the fat-making uh, processes of insulin has always been an ideal way to eat and or live, but fasting is really picked up a lot of attention. What what's the difference between like I think everybody understands fasting is not eating, right? Right. Not eating for twelve hours equals fasting. We kind of said that just a little bit ago, yeah. but like, what is intermittent fasting? Can you talk to me about how do you explain? the difference between fasting and intermittent fasting, or just how do you explain intermittent fasting? That's a great question because there's a lot of the terminology that gets thrown around yeah. and different people define it differently. So to say this is exactly what it is, it's really, um, as far as terminology to to how that's uh, walked out, there's still some play there because, like you said, it is so new. Typically, intermittent fasting is defined as Anything within a day, so even for twenty four hours or less, it's, so it's like a time. Gotcha. So a time restricted feeding window is probably mm-hmm. the the way a lot of people would describe anything less than twenty four hours. I've heard that phrase, and I like that intuitively. Or a it's just uh, an IF. eating window, or yeah. But the term people are being drawn IF. into is intermittent fasting because it's easier, it's it's catchier, it's easier to say. So there's the initial intermittent fasting that people like. There was a um, I've been playing with it for probably seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. It's it, there was this website personally, you personally, mm-hmm. yeah, like restrict time restricted eating. Mm-hmm. I did some juice fasting back in the nineties, like seven day fast stuff like that. It was more of a cleansing thing. Yeah. So for, originally, a lot of people did fast for cleansing purposes. Sure. They, were about, they, weren't, they didn't were talking about. There was a lot of like thoughtfulness, prayer, meditation associated with these types right. of like sometimes enemas sometimes mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. just things like avoiding the dairy the meat mm-hmm. the you know heavier foods and just purging there was weight loss with it but it's more about purging cells and so we didn't know as much about things like autophagy words mm-hmm. like that or or cellular turnover or you know uh those those things it was more like a really hippie thing more than anything else yeah. but um so the more recent uh, there was this guy lean gains this blog lean gains was pretty popular he was the, it was the one where i first saw it where this he was like a body, he was a bodybuilder. What year was this? 
Oh my gosh. It, it's probably nine or 10 years ago. Okay. So the 2010. Yeah. Range. Right in there in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's where I, I think I've ve- maybe 11 is when I very first heard the term f- f- intermittent fasting. Right. So he like, would just not that? eat breakfast. He'd, 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 mm-hmm. he'd plan his uh, workout right around 11, 12 o'clock. And then he would go and he was, he would go eat like crazy so he basically had created this 15, 16-hour fasted window, mm. and then he would work out fasted mm. and, and really, I mean, put that, not just the, the mechanical tension, but the metabolic stress on his body uh, through that training session where he had not fed it anything. And so insulin is, you know, blood sugar is obviously low, insulin's non-existent, and he's creating all this stress through his workout. It was a bodybuilding workout. So he imagine a lot of volume, a lot of heavy work. He's not just out running mm-hmm. at all. And then he would completely to get the growth out of it, the 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 uh, sort of slingshot effect of having very being underfed, then put the stress of the workout mm-hmm. and then he wanted to create growth. So he would mm-hmm. eat like I mean, not what you and I would recommend people to eat after especially trying to lose weight, but he would go just pig out. It was like Heavy proteins, cheesecake, everything to slingshot his insulin mm. up and create growth. Now, but this first, isn't a guy who needed weight loss. No, he, he was like, like you know, eighty percent body fat yeah. and full of muscle. So he wasn't. He wasn't. It wasn't. His wasn't goals were different. His goals were, different, but he, but he was one of the pioneers of yeah. it because this was not stuff is not pioneered by people. Yeah, these who protocols weight. and technologies were not mainstream. They're, no, they were thought of as like a weird, quacky. and they still kind of are. Yeah, I mean, really, they're getting less weird. Well, okay. We, well, I could I could go off again. A, example of just this year, someone being a t- You're Jack not Dorsey, to go the, off, the owner, the owner of, of a CEO of Twitter and Square, uh-huh. who's performs. You know, he has one meal a day as his normal diet every day, mm-hmm. uh, and he just got attacked in the news as if he had an eating disorder. You know, they say he's got an eating disorder instead of following the the traditional nutritional advice you might get from a dietitian of three meals a day and two or three snacks. Mm-hmm. And that was Business Insider, Rolling Stone. They came out of the woodwork to attack him like he has an eating disorder and he's finding like uh, a, 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 this focus, this he's lean, mm-hmm. he's creating new ideas, he's feeling a stream of like he he's can a, work. He's a shaper of culture. Well, productivity, yeah. his productivity has yeah. ramped up yeah. and he's just sharing what he's doing mm-hmm. and they're attacking him like mm-hmm. he has an eating disorder because he's well, eating a once a day. With somebody that influential, if they get loud about... It's on Twitter, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tweets about the, it. The fasting brain. Yeah. You know, all the biohackers from Northern California are all over this. You oh, it's, it's huge in Silicon I mean, Valley. People who have got no weight to lose, they're no interest, they have no ambition of losing weight. It's right. purely a hack to increase productivity, Productivity, their mental capacity, uh, their ability to be creative and resourceful and um, stamina, recovery yeah. time. I mean, Longevity. These, yeah. yeah everything. These think tanks in Northern California, I mean, they're all over fasting. And it's part of a lifestyle. It's not just fasting. It's Correct. like a complete lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Walking, there's condensed workouts mm-hmm. with it. I mean, he's not trying to put on a bunch of muscle. He's just trying to live better, more productive, yep. and, not, and healthy without being completely distracted by it. So back to what I was saying with, uh, with the fasting, it, it started off with people who were just, again, biohackers, mm-hmm. early adopters. They're not worried about losing weight. They want to live better. They mm-hmm. want to live longer. Mm-hmm. They want to have more efficient you know, uh, fat burning. They want to have better weight control. 
And so the, the benefits that come from it, as you said before, are not just fat loss, right. weight loss. There's an efficiency to better fat burning, better ketone burning. Yes. So uh, productivity not worrying about food. So back to the definition of intermittent fasting, that's why I'm like, that bunny trail, where was I? <laughs> so intermittent fasting can be, it could be a compressed, like the most typical, the most popular because it's, it requires the least amount of time fasted is a 16-hour fasted window mm-hmm. and a compressed eight-hour feeding window. Mm-hmm. And that's what most people sort of toe in the water, start, yes. to, start to play with because, like I said, as a 12-hour window, starts to ramp up so for that next four hours you get it between 12 and 16 hours of fasting mm-hmm. you get quite an increase in fat burning which is yes. most people today's most people's these days uh motivation to try it is to lose those extra 15 yes. 20 pounds force uh, your body to get in those fat stores for those four to six hours right. and it's easy easily done because once you get you do that a few times it's not a big deal to get breakfast many people were eating breakfast just because they were told to correct they're, uh, they're not even hungry when that's they get up almost the universal response i get from folks when I, I thought i was supposed to when i give them yeah. they're, they're like okay doc what do i eat and i say all right well um for breakfast i want bacon and eggs or i want you to skip the end like th- those are your options they're like wait skipping's okay I go, yeah, didn't you hear anything I just said? No, <laughs> but, but yes, yeah, skipping is okay. Uh, let's fast through it. Mm-hmm. I go, are you even hungry in the morning? No, I'm never hungry, but I've been told I got it. Breakfast is the most important meal. I got to eat. Start your metabolism. Yeah, ramp it up. No, it, here, newsflash, it's been working all night. Yeah. That's why you're not hypoglycemic. That's, Organs. Yeah. You're breathing <laughs> and your heart's beating and your brain is firing off waves. Heart, brain, liver, kidneys, 65, 70% of your metabolism right there. Gut. So everything's moving. There you go. There's another one. Um, so, um, and if you're anything like me, you're twitching all night, you know? So, you're, 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 your metabolism doesn't turn off. No. Uh, if anything, it ramps up through the night. And so... Uh, well, we can't even get into the, the benefits versus the, you know, of, of a faster metabolism. Do you really want a faster metabolism? Because you're not going to live... I mean, that's, your metabolism goes up when you get sick because it's... You have it. Yes. So we don't have to dig into that. Yeah. That's another story. But it's like you guys are chase, you're chasing the wrong rabbit if they're mm-hmm. chasing a faster metabolism, especially through, through food. Your metabolism isn't broken. It's you've just been tapping into the wrong energy source. Correct. You're tapping into what you're stuffing in your mouth and you're leaving behind what you're piling up around your waist and on your hips. If your primary goal is to burn excess fat – one of the easiest things you can do is ask your body to continue to do what it's been doing all night, right? which is accessing those fat stores for energy and just say, I'm going to make you keep doing that until around one or two. Mm-hmm. Now, full disclosure, first couple times I did it, I'm like, this is terrible. But I have been conditioned to wake up as a bear. It's behavioral. I used to always think, well, I'm different. I, I wake up hungry. I'm always hungry. I've always been hungry. I'm not going to be able to do it. What I've discovered is that was 90 plus percent behavioral. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just what I did. It's the same reason I, I end up first thing at the coffee pot. Like, it's behavior. Um, and once I bo- discovered that I, well, wait a minute. I'm actually not hungry. I'm going to go ahead and do this. 
the first couple times, it was a little bit like all I could think about was the fact that I didn't eat breakfast. So it's like front of mind. Right. And then all of a sudden, it was – that's how I got into it was I – every week, I tried to find one, maybe two breakfast days where I could just skip breakfast. And then I'm like, well, if I could do that, I wonder if I could do it every day yeah. or most days. Yeah. And then like what does that look like? And it's just this progression over the last year and right. a half. And that's how I ramp it up with a lot of my people in my weight loss group is they, they do three days a week. And the next thing I know, I've got several people. It's like it felt so good. I just started to do it every day. And it's like, great. Yeah. Yes. And they're go- busting through their weight loss plateaus. Yeah. And they're feeling better. But back to like the, the pattern, 24-hour fasting – of just dinner to dinner, yeah, it's pretty, a lot of people have been recommending that for years to do that at least once a week. Just try that once a week for your health. And and if you go back, if you look at religions across the world, yes. whether it's Christian, Jewish, most Buddhist, of the major Muslim, world, yes, Greek Orthodox, half the days on their calendar have some form of fasting. Oh yeah, and you can't find a religion that didn't include fasting in some point Absolutely. because it's good for you. That's yeah. so we got several thousand years of history with it. Nobody died. Socrates and Aristotle wouldn't even take a new student on unless they'd shown they could fast for an extended period of time, not just skip breakfast, but actually fast for several days. Mm. So that's where you get into more extended fa- – I think of extended mm-hmm. fasting mm-hmm. as anything past 24 hours, maybe 36 hours, depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Very beneficial for long-term – that's when you start getting some long-term health benefits, some real oh, yeah. autophagy, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But as far as managing weight control, getting your toe in the water, start for 16 – the warrior diet was popular for several years, and that's like going 20, 20 hours fasted, and then you kind of you eat for 20, 24. And it's not about – here's where people get caught up in the calories. Well, that people just end up eating more when they do eat. Yeah, maybe. They eat to satiety. They're gonna, not going to stuff themselves. What have you found when you fast now, when you eat, are you eating like uh, twice as much as you normally would? Negative. Or do you feel like I, appetite is probably a little more under control? It, I, I feel very much in control. Um, I, truthfully, I'm, I'm not measuring, so I don't know exactly. Right. That would be a nice experiment. But I'm on – I'm – my level of obsession with this and the way that I feel is at an um, – it's as high as I've been on any other topic – Mm-hmm. where I've come across something that ultimately becomes like a pillar, something that I get really loud about. Mm-hmm. And uh, last night was my second 24-hour fast in consecutive days. Um, right. So 8 p.m., eat. Don't eat again until 8 p.m. Last night was my second 8 p.m. And uh, I ate one 8-ounce chicken breast off the grill and two bundles of three asparagus wrapped in bacon which is what I would have eaten for dinner no matter what I ate through the day right um, I this is all still very new for me and I'm still evaluating it for myself so not fasting but maybe what I would consider pushing the limits of what intermittent fasting is because mm-hmm. if we're defining intermittent fasting anything less than 24 hours but really trying to tighten that feeding window down to four, six, eight hours where you have just a prolonged period of not eating, where you're not eating for maybe 12, 14, 16 hours. The longer, the better. Yeah. Um, I'm basically taking that thesis but moving it to, well, what does it look like if I don't eat for 22, 23 hours, then take an hour or two and eat my meal for the day? Yeah. 
Um, and enjoy it. It tastes better. No, the, the, but you're the, not downing the large pizzas. No, no, no. <laughs> to, to your point, I, I'm not losing my mind, and I'm not consuming four thousand calories, and I'm not like stuffing my face with cheesecake. If anything, right? I'm so freaking locked in, and the the level of I'm not going to mess up. Now I'm a nerd, and I'm thinking about the biochemistry, and I'm thinking about my liver, and I'm thinking about all my chemistries. But the last thing I'm going to do is do something that would unwind my efforts like i just put in work to not eat right i I don't lose my mind and so now this is i'm 18 months in and i'm doing this for the first time i don't i mean there might be people who want to try that that's fine but for the sake of this we're going to define intermittent fasting and for future episodes i think we can agree that a good definition is intermittent fasting is prolonging your fasting window from greater than 12 hours but less than 24 sure that, that's that a, that's a good that okay? simple yeah definitely. And then yeah. anything more than twenty four hours would be the topic of another d- discussion, okay. uh, which would we would call maybe um, prolonged fasting. Okay, you know because I know there are several people who do three, five, seven day water fast, which is bonkers to me. Like that that sounds really hard. I I haven't wrapped my head around all the science. Although, mm-hmm. if I was magically dropped off on a deserted island and I had a jug of water, guess what I'd be doing? Fasting. Fasting. Yeah. And guess who, if I was lucky enough to be rescued off that island in 30 days, guess who would be shredded? (laughs) Me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And guess – You wouldn't be dead. As long as you had water, you'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, now, the longer that goes, you become – once I run out of fat, because fat is a protector of muscle breakdown, I would start to become emaciated. Uh, And then, you know, but but that's the progression, right? Your body's not going to burn muscle when you got fat present. And it's not going to burn fat when you got sugar present. There's a, there's a hierarchy. Like, again, we're trying to – the body's trying to keep you alive. It's going to burn f- sugar first. Yeah. If sugar's not available, it'll burn fat. If fat's right. not available, it'll burn – like, right. it doesn't just automatically go to muscle. No. And the fears of that are overall the protein what? loss that people talk about. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're losing protein. Well, your whole body's made of protein. Skin, connective tissue. Yeah. So when – so here's – Great point. People don't realize they're worried about mu- losing muscle. So let's take an obese person, someone who's obese, who who has, let's say, 50 pounds to lose. They have 20 to 50% more protein than your average, like, normal weight Absolutely. person. Their infrastructure and to hold up all that weight. The muscle. But so as they – so we have these people who are maybe on low-calorie diets or whatever, do what they need to do to, to – or to lose weight that doesn't involve fasting. They don't have that protein – loss as great in they don't have the the benefits of something called autophagy where you're breaking down tissue you're breaking Mm -hmm. down protein a lot of that protein being broken down is skin and connective tissue or the shrinking of organs the liver shrinking you know so they're oversized in a lot of ways not just to fat okay oh yeah so if their skin can shrink with them if the connective tissue can shrink with them maybe they have less overlapping extra skin hanging off of them if they've been been able to do this through fasting and losing that protein. But it's protein in a very small amount. Compared to the amount of fat they're going to lose, mm-hmm. the protein's minimal. Mm-hmm. And when you are fasting, when you are fasting, not only are your adrenals up so you have energy, but growth hormone is also mm-hmm. increased greatly to protect muscle mass. So muscle mass is actually protected through a fasting day, whether it's 16 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, as long as you have fat to burn, mm-hmm. growth hormone gets elevated to protect that muscle. 
but not to create growth. So without to, getting too so so there's more of a so in the fastest state, it's not about growth, it's more about repair. Correct. In the fastest state. It's not if you add if you want to throw in, you know, um, so at the end of the fasted state, like what when I, what you would do at the end of the day, so all day you've been um, in what we would call a catabolic state where you're breaking down tissues, mm-hmm. but mostly fat tissue. But it's normal. Everybody loses a certain amount of protein each day. Mm-hmm. And it's just turning over of cells mm-hmm. and mitochondria and all these little cellular yeah. level things, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you eat, you rebuild. And so most of the tissue and cells and proteins that are broken down are often damaged cells, damaged organelles, damaged mitochondria, because they couldn't make it through that time of, of needed efficiency. So the least efficient tissues are broken down. Mm-hmm. The more efficient tissues survive, and then you have, when they, when they are refed, then they Duplicate. So then you have, like we had when we were young, when we were growing, we have healthy tissues duplicating. The, the tissues that can't survive that might be damaged have been broken down and recycled, and those parts are used to create new tissue. So basically, all you're doing is recreating what we went through when we were growing. Autophagy, this idea of autophagy or recycling parts, essentially, mm-hmm. happened all the time Correct. to create growth, to, to, for our bones to grow, for muscles to grow, yep. all the tissue to grow. As we reach normal adulthood and that we stop... That stops. Yeah, growth... Well, growth should stop mm-hmm. because too much growth obviously leads to disease problems. problems. Mm-hmm. So when we're constantly eating, we're constantly growing, as we see by the population. Growth, 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 lifestyle disease. Mm-hmm. If we do not create periods of catab- what we call catabolism or uh-huh. a catabolic state, breaking down. we're breaking down. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about fat loss. It's that cellular, it's those damaged Absolutely. cellular tissue. Unhealthy cells. Then those unhealthy cells are really age. So by creating this turnover, we, it's actually an anti-aging Love that. formula because we're breaking down damage mm-hmm. of skin, connective tissue. Yeah, maybe a little muscle. Maybe there's some protein loss, yeah. but ligaments, tendons, but nothing you can't rebuild. Yeah, through when you refeed. That- and why would you want to preserve damaged cells anyway? You don't. By design, you, you want to get rid of those. But that's but there's a fear of catabolic. There's a fear of breaking down. Like all this protein is coming from your muscles. Like your whole body. No. There's a thousands of different. I mean, proteins in your body, and if you, you only think of protein as your muscle, mm-hmm. you might want to step out of the gym for a minute mm-hmm. and think about. Life. Think about everything else going on that is affecting your health beyond, you know, how much you can squat. Well, I mean, and by the way, that's just while you're fasting. Eventually, you're going to open your mouth. Well, and that's when, what I'm saying. And when, when you, you feed, open your mouth, you're going to feed yourself and replenish the protein. Replenish the protein. But now you're replenishing and building healthy cells. Right. So you're, you're recreating a, a cycle that we went through as youthful. we were young, youthful. Yes. And w- the reason we age is because that stops or really Correct. slows down. And we tremendously. start collecting aged, damaged cells. Exactly. Love Cancer. it. Cancer, cancerous good. cells, damaged cells. So it's fission and, f- and fusion when when we're when we're underfed. When we're you know I mean the, all this, the studies show um, caloric deprivation extends life. Whether they're looking at Yeast cells, mice, nematode, worms, mice, humans. and humans. Correct. All across all cultures, yes. underfed. So, what's a more efficient way of Let's doing? Let's say that again. Underfed. Life 
is prolonged in virtually every form of life. Yes. When in a calorically restricted environment. Without a doubt. Because. Translation. Fasting. Yeah. Makes you live longer. For sure. It, well, that's what they've shown in every. So look well, at it yeast, makes sense. Yeast cells. Nematode worms. Yeah. Mice. Unfortunately, we can't do as much with humans, but there's a few people who are playing with this. Yep. Uh, Mark Matson at uh, uh, National Institute of Health has been talking about the benefits of fasting for probably a decade. Uh, uh, brain neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're seeing it in extension of or reduction of uh, heart disease risk. So mm-hmm. whether it's insulin sensitivity, insulin sensitivity, lipids, unbelievable lipid reduction profile, of blood pressure, reduction of blood pressure, lipid mm-hmm. levels. Um, you can't tons th- of anti-cancer properties. I mean, the, the, the connection between, um, uh, 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 you know, a ketogenic and fasting in in, yes. a, in an anti-cancer environment. I mean, it's just undeniable at this point. Right. But beyond the breaking down of those damaged cells, but the ins- fact that so many cancers are insulin sensitive and the insulin causes the growth of those. I mean, colon and breast cancer alone are, are highly reactive to insulin. So when you have insulin, 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 you've got an overgrowth of cancer. And every lifestyle disease we have is a result of overproliferation or, or overgrowth. Diseases of abundance. They're, it's too much. It's, too, it's growth. And by the way, cancer only feeds on glucose. Right. It can't use ketones for energy. There are so just pure you... basic biochemistry. Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's, it, it, it is an effective, all-encompassing cancer treatment. But if you have cancer or you know somebody who has cancer and they're not on a profoundly carb-restricted diet to, to create a ketogenic environment – Right. You're feeding cancer cells. Correct. And yet, yet they give them insurer. <laughs> oh, I can't oh believe gosh. you beat me to the punch. I'm sorry. I didn't know that's where you're going. I was totally go- – I mean, when you walk down a cancer ward, they're like, oh, well, daddy needs to eat something, so we got to give him insure. And the cancer cells say, yum, thank you very much. Yeah. We're I'm just, just we're over here growing. Yeah. We're over here metastasizing. Um, no, no, the integrative. Now, there's some integrative stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walter Longo. I mean, I, I, he's. Uh, so anyway, the integrative medicine uh, approach is combining fasting with chemo because mm-hmm. they'll give them, they'll let them fast for two or three days before giving the chemo, and then yes. two or three days after because one, the chemo was more effective against cancers because the cancer cells are weakened by the by Absolutely. the fasted state. No, and there's a protective. Uh, I, probably from the growth hormone, but the healthy cells are actually more protective against the chemo. So the chemo has less detrimental effects to the healthy ones because they're protected. There are some fascinating um, data coming out now to, to what you're talking about, which is, and, and, and this will be the topic for another show, but pre-chemo, mm-hmm. almost like prepping for chemo with prolonged fasting. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Some of the re- results that they're getting with this um, you know, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, I know wanna, we can I, go down that yeah, 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 and, and yeah, yeah. just no, go I want to keep moving along here. Uh, um, for someone who gets that fasting is not eating, um, right. Cause that's pretty straightforward. Yep. What does somebody need to eat when it's time to eat? So if, if you go into this fasting world and I'm going to try fasting out and I'm going to restrict my, uh, eating, uh, window to four to six hours, mm-hmm. when I do decide it's time to eat, 
what do people need to be looking t- towards in order to break their fast most effectively? Most effectively. Well, I mean, because you can you eat want, anything. You want you want foods that are going to give you the most micronutrients that, that are they're healthy, right? So it's oh. not it's not going to be pizza and ice cream. That's going to give you the most macronutrients, like lots of energy and lots mm-hmm. of. But then you're going to basically, like you said. You're, you're, you're throwing your numbers way off. Yeah. So what I do is I focus, okay, what is going to be the most beneficial for me as I start to eat? Because I, I, honestly, I'm hungry going into the meal many times, but I'm not starving and I'm not eating more. I'm like, I know I'm not going to be able to um, replace what I didn't eat all day. So I'm looking at food. What's going to give me what I eat? So I'm looking at a protein source, healthy protein source. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a lot of greens. So I do like usually a salad and maybe another steamed, some kind of cooked vegetable because mm-hmm. I like to have that balance of those two. Um, maybe some healthy fats like nuts or if you want a dessert like you know a, some berries, some low glycemic fruit if you want – or, but the thing is, you've uh, how do I with balance? It depends on what your I think what your goals are. Um, if you're if you're doing it for your health, mm-hmm. you probably have a little more room than if you're doing it to really lose weight. Lose weight. Yep. So you don't have to you watch have to that. reverse engineer the goal a little right, bit. Reverse engineer. But I would still make choices about whether you're going to have the protein and the greens. And then if you're not worried about, it or if you're just trying to maintain weight, or you're exercising a lot and you want to do this, then. Have a have a starch that you know. Okay, this is an amount that I can use, and I'm, but it's not it's not abusive. You know, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're not you're not binging. Um, so but there's be- there's no fear in in a 24 hour period. I think this is the question. Maybe some people might have. If you're doing an extended fast or a prolonged fast, and you're going three or four or five days without eating, seven days without eating, yes, you want to ease back in. Yeah, eating. that's different. Yeah, but something as far as a 16 or 24 hour fast, where you're doing it every day. Yeah, you don't need to worry about. Is my body? How do I break the fast? Well, you're not really breaking fast. You're just eating later. You're not eating to break a fast. No, that's good. You're making good choices about what is important to me. Here's here is a limited time that I'm going to mm-hmm. eat. I've created a fasting window. Now I'm going to create a feeding window where I'm going to regrow tissue. Yep. And I want to feed that growth the best that I can, and mm-hmm. give my body the, the best nutrition it can because I'm not going to I'm not going to eat two thousand calories sitting here. So one. A healthy protein, whatever that is, some healthy fats, some some fiber, some. Uh, it's a low carb greens. lifestyle. It's a low. It's low, it's low carb. No, so for some people it could be keto. Yeah. For some people it's low carb with a little bit of carb. Love it. Um, it. It can look different for each person. Some people just eat what they a balanced diet, and they still get benefits. Yeah. So whatever it is period. you love to eat that is getting you that you have conviction around that is getting you where you want to go. That's what you eat. Right. You, There's more than just, one option. You just do it. Yeah. In the window that you predetermine, right? Because the that's fasting a great, is that's a great point of clarification. The, the fasting is is the weapon. Correct. Now, how 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 much how far you want to take that? If you want to mm-hmm. you want to add exclamation point on it, you just want to put a period on it. Yeah, it's just it's like how do you want to eat to fit the rest of your lifestyle and what you want to get mm-hmm. in there? But fasting is the point. Is the fasting is more powerful than any diet? Yeah. Low but then carb, when you can layer in a low your 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 low carb diet du jour, like whether you're a paleo or a Mediterranean or a balanced, or you're just, you right. know, Atkins or keto, like I, it doesn't matter. I would just say make sure make sure it's whole food. Yeah, 
not processed food. Like, don't get out the the, the lunch meat and the sliced. Yeah. I mean, just if it wasn't food a hundred years ago, it's not food, right? Give us Zane's top three practical tips or hacks for busy executive type professionals, business owners who are looking for maximal output, maximal result, simplicity, um, mm. and reproducibility. What are what are three things that you could give somebody right now that would be like incredibly useful, very simple, and very reproducible that would give disproportionate results? Okay. Well, I can tell you what I do. And that's what I found disproportionate <laughs> results yes. from. Um, I practice intermittent fasting pretty much every day. It's rare that I would eat anything before 11. So uh, I eat in a compressed window of time each day. And once, at least once a week, I have a 24-hour fast, one 24-hour fast. And that is to keep that, you know, just basically to maximize the benefits of that intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. But I am not trying to lose weight. I'm not trying to lose more body fat. I'm trying to get the benefits of keeping the body fat or the the fat burning efficient, keeping it, keeping me close to a ketogenic state Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go there. Um, And all the, all the other health benefits that go with it without. What's your eating window again? What did you say? Usually it's between um, 12 and eight could be one and eight, one and nine. I mean, it's just, so I mean, it varies with my schedule. So usually a seven or eight hour window of eating. Yeah, which might include two meals. Mm-hmm. So uh, I may go over your three things just a little bit. Your what? Your three limits because oh, I think fine. there's more. No. But, so, so intermittent fasting. Um, Daily compressed eating window of seven to eight hours with a 24-hour fast once a at week. least once weekly. At least once a week. Okay, yeah. that's number one. And I've been doing that off and on for years, but I do it very, very consistently now. Every day, pretty much, it's rare that I would eat before 11. It just, it just depends on like if I got an early workout. Mm-hmm. Now – with, with, in regards to working out, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to spend a lot of time in the gym myself. I'm busy. I've got four children. Yep. Now there are some three of them are a little bit older, but I still like to be in, engaged, involved. Sure. I'm working a lot. I got clients. I have things I want to do. All my patients have families. I don't want to spend ten or twelve hours a Nobody week. Nobody has that time in the gym. I don't know well, there's has. a few influencers who do, and there's a there's yeah. Some... Well, if they do that for their job, but you know, if you're running a company, right? And you no, got... I'm not saying. I'm saying it's yeah. it's, it's odd. Yeah. To me, it's odd to spend 10, 12, 15 yeah. hours in the gym working out, running, whatever it is you're going to do. So for somebody who, want, who could carve out 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. what, what are they doing? You go in fasted. I, I work out. Every workout is fasted. Fasting workouts. For sure, because of the metabolic stress. So you're already in there. You're, going, you're lifting. You're, you're creating the mechanical tension and mechanical stress. You're creating from the, the resistance. The, and the resistance fatigue. training. Right. And I love that distinction. Talk a little bit, just a couple of minutes, about the difference between mechanical stress and metabolic stress. I love that distinction that you make. Okay, so me- mechanical tension or mechanical stress is the actual work of moving through your range of motion under tension of mm-hmm. the weights that you're moving. So it's like creates the stress on the body to have to move that weight, stretching and then contracting. Stretching, and on one extreme, you've got fatigue and failure. Yeah. And on the other extreme, you've got fully juiced up muscles that are ready to go that haven't been challenged at all. And that's the, that's the spectrum of mechanical tension, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think people get that. Talk about metabolic stress. Stress. So metabolic stress, when you go in, metabolic stress occurs when you have when you don't have enough energy, when there's a low 
mm-hmm. lower amount of energy than you need for the work that you're putting out. So it, it puts a strain on the, the glycogen source or the stored fuel in there. So what happens is you get an increase of um, usually blood flow to that muscle almost and and was and as the muscles under tension that blood flow gets trapped in there the blood gets trapped in there so there's a lack of oxygen there's uh increased blood in there and that creates a hormonal response which yes. increases the hormones in that muscle mm-hmm. for really that lead to growth at some point but right now it's catabolic mm-hmm. working out is catabolic mm-hmm. but you are like spring loading those muscles for growth Later on, you are creating because you're burning down the glycogen that's in there. They're becoming very insulin sensitive. Yes, and so that when insulin does hit, when you do refeed, Boom. they're far more reactive. Mm-hmm. You have it pre-fed, so you're not just burning off blood sugar. Your your blood sugar is low, and you're coming into you're, you're really burning into your stored glycogen that muscle. So that stress is there. Lactic acid is yes. building up, so you feel that burning. Lactic acid again building. There's more, a metabolic more stress. depletion. Of the muscle cells themselves. And a buildup of metabolites or metabolic byproducts in there. That downstream trigger the insulin response that you need for recovery, growth. Right. And create the stress in the muscle. They create the demand. It basically makes that muscle scream for food. I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I will take whatever you bring to me. Yes. Bring it all here. Forget the fat cells. They're yes. not important Divert. right now. I'm primary. Correct. No, and no, if you there's have, a hierarchy. It's... And muscles are more important than fat. If you if <laughs> if you create the environment for it. Yes. If they're underfed. If, the, if feeding so you can get a heavier bench press, or how about how about fasting and put creating that that metabolic stress so that you have just more fuel going to that muscle, mm-hmm. more stress on that muscle, a greater reaction for that muscle to respond and adapt to the stress you put it under. Create more stress. Work into stress. Fatigue. You're not there to. Are you there to be the strongest guy in the gym? Or are you there to actually put stress on the muscle, create a workout, create a response in your body mm-hmm. to adapt to uh, really what you're doing there? To adapt to perform better later on, and well, that's what it, that creates. A that I, is like primary for me. I absolutely. Um, l- that's the, the hunt. Th- this the is fast than the hunt. And, the and stress. It is both metabolically stressful for somebody who's hunting and gathering because they haven't eaten yet. And if they don't kill, they won't eat. And the actual act of hunting is physically exerting. That's the mechanical uh, stress. Yeah. And so you've got to be able to recreate that in the gym environment where you're both metabolically and um, mechanically under tremendous amounts of stress yes. so that you can compress your workout time and and get in and out in 45 minutes and get all of the upside. Well, that's it. I mean, fitness. my workouts are rarely more than 45. I mean, it's, it's, it's a 30 to 45-minute thing to be, if I end it with some high-intensity cardio. So some high-intensity kind of like interval training Burst at the type. end of the mm-hmm. weight training. I'm Sprinting, not, rowing. I, yeah, I'm not jogging no. for half an hour. I'm not running in that mid-level area. No. It's like high output burning, again, fatiguing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a minute, ideally, certainly no more than two minutes. But a minute or less mm-hmm. of fatigue, again, the same feeling, lactic acid building up, running out of steam. I can't complete this. I'm, you work into fatigue. Yes, you're going to be done sooner. That means you're done sooner. That means you get back to what you need to do sooner. So you talk about time saving. And when you get back to doing what you're doing, you're yeah. doing it better. 
You're doing it better. Well, yeah, you are because you're more efficient. It's going to make your whole life more efficient. As Absolutely. you do this, you burn – When think about how efficient you'd be if you can work out through a um, underfed, so a fasted state. What about when you're – those days you're not working out and you're just at your office doing your thing in a fasted state? Mm-hmm. How easy is that? You're not you're not you're not at, at at stress level nine or ten like you would be when you're working out. You're just cruising. Yep. You are accessing fat like it's just being poured I, I know, into your bloodstream. It's I know like, for me it, it has been um, incredibly an incredibly powerful secret weapon um, that I have used to and and I consider myself a guy who has been in this space a long time and, and have an understanding of what's going on. The fact that this has not come across my radar to the level where I wanted to implement it is really stunning. And I'm just pumped. Uh, and I cannot wait to see where this goes. Let's talk about the third tip or trick. Okay. Third tip or trick. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know I think, there's millions of them, but I like, mean, I know to narrow, narrow down. So when you do eat, I so mean, you've already talked about, you want to date on a daily basis, compress your feeding window yeah. down to seven hours. Um, and you want to find a way to weave at least one 24-hour fast. And to be clear, that's dinner to dinner. Um, dinner to dinner, Typically ideal. is the easiest. Ideal, um, yeah. Uh, and then when... And fasted workouts. And then fasting workouts for the obvious reasons that we've yeah. just talked about, mechanical stress and metabolic stress. Mm-hmm. Is there a third thing that is just really easy to take away from this that somebody could start tomorrow um, implementing? Whatever you do, don't snack. So whether you're intermittent fasting that day or not, whether, you know, whatever you do, stop snacking. Just stop. Three meals is plenty. Eat whole food to satiety. Whether you're eating one meal, two meals, or three meals, eat whole food to satiety and stop. Yeah, I think snacking doesn't need explanation. Just stop. Just stop it. But you know, it, it, the only reason it does is because everybody else is telling them to I know. snack and you get persecuted for saying, oh, keep a snack by in case you get hungry. No. No, in case you get hungry, drink some water, drink some coffee. In 10 or 15 minutes, it's going to go gone. away and you go back to burning fat. You know what that gurgle in my stomach tells me? That tells me, oh, I'm about to tap a little deeper into my fat stores. Correct. I'm about to get a little extra adrenaline yes. going and then I'm going to start, but my brain starts to buzz. You're talking about the creative flow? Oh, yeah. No, I know for me, my, I tend to be a pretty creative guy, but, but the state of flow that I'm able to get in in a fasting brain is really um, – it's, it's been um, uncommon. What I've been able to, to – the, 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 the space that yeah. I've been able to get myself into um, has really been um, incredibly powerful. And I know for a lot of my clients and a lot of the listeners, creativity is um, almost like a long-lost romance for these folks um, in their best self. They're very creative, very resourceful. Um, and they haven't felt that way in a long time. And, and one of the quickest ways to regain some of that creativity is to be in a fasted state. It, it is really remarkable. Oh, yeah. Um, Again, the neuropl- neuroplasticity is one of the biggest benefits. More, more neurotrophic, uh, neurotrophic uh, brain factor going on in the brain. So the brain hormone mm-hmm. firing in that fasted state. Ketones going... You know, there's no and the up and down of blood sugar mm-hmm. and insulin. I mean, think about how you feel after you eat a meal. You want to relax. You might even want to take a nap. Oh yeah. You want to kick back. I'm finished after I eat. Why? I, why? I, why do that in the middle of your work day, your most productive correct. hours, or right before you work out? No. So, no. As far as the refeeding after the workout, 
that depends on your goals. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to lose any more weight. I refeed after my workout. Shortly after my workout, there's a there's a window where you're, because your muscles are so depleted. receptive mm-hmm. and depleted, they're receptive for growth. I want to grow muscle. Mm-hmm. I refeed. I make sure I get plenty of protein. I also take in carbs because again, my body fat's pretty low. I don't need it to go any lower. I like the fasted window for, for the those benefits. Who don't know Zane <clears throat> or can't see Zane? <laughs> He's going to be fifty this year. Next year, I'll be fit. Please don't rush it. Sorry, the sorry, freight sorry. train's coming fast enough. He's sub four percent body fat. Like one, two, three, four, four sub four percent body fat. And and that's tested on three different M- machines. M- multiple, yeah. No, it's um, so it's pretty stunning actually. So I mean, this guy doesn't need to burn fat. He's doing fasting not for weight loss, but for all of the other things that we're talking about. So I mean, one of the things that I love about Zane is you know I've always felt like you were a chef who ate your own cooking. I always felt like you were a billboard for your doctrine and, and your, your conviction is like, is rare and it's, um, it's magnetic. And I'm, I, I'm certainly hopeful that this conviction and this wisdom, um, comes across and that people are able to, to use some of these things to, to really improve the quality of their life saying, what's one question that you wish people asked more, but never do. Oh my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question, isn't it? Really? I mean, it's what we've been talking about. Yeah. So kind of all this. How do we – how am I supposed to eat? How am I supposed That's, to do this? That's what most people don't want to change is their eating habits. They want – what's the workout? What's the quick fix? What's the one – and it's like it's a lifestyle and it starts with how you eat. Food mm-hmm. comes first. Yes. The first priority is what you eat and when you eat it. Mm-hmm. And so the question should be about how they eat. And that's what they don't want to <laughs> ask because mm-hmm. that's, that's the hardest behavioral change that most people make mm-hmm. or have to need to make. Mm-hmm. If they're struggling in this area, that's the hardest one is mm-hmm. how they eat, not just what. I guess I could, you just help me narrow it down. That's I appreciate okay. that. It's not, people are asking what they should eat. Which diet do I follow? Which. What, do I do keto? Do I do low-carb, mm-hmm. Mediterranean? What am I supposed to be eating? And everybody's asking, what am I supposed to be eating? What they're not asking is when are they supposed to be Love eating. Love that. And, I, and frankly, I never asked that. Until, when? Until about two years ago. So it's the what missing you link. eat, if you get when you eat down, mm-hmm. what you eat becomes much you less a more margin. Of, of a problem. You have more margin yes. to enjoy it, more margin to find what you need. More creativity. There, because the magic bullet is when you don't eat... That's when you lean out. That's when you get the, the health benefits. That's when you balance out what you do eat. Mm-hmm. That's when you burn more fat. Mm-hmm. It's when. And that's why I say start with three meals, no snacks. Then work into, say, three mornings a week when you skip breakfast and just do lunch and dinner in an eight-hour window. Start with three mornings a week like that. Yeah. And then try to you know, maybe add another one. For people who already do that, and you want to try for a 24, you just start extending. Find one day where you start extending that lunch farther mm-hmm. out, farther mm-hmm. out, farther out. And then maybe at some point, maybe at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, it becomes a snack. Or it becomes yeah. uh, some coffee with maybe extra cream or a little mm-hmm. extra butter. or extra Which is how I did it. And then yeah. you just make the jump to dinner. Then you make the jump to dinner. And it's mm-hmm. just a progression. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be – if you want to if you want to jump in the, in the pool all in – Go for it. It won't hurt you. It's just the adapt- adaptation is going to be a little tougher. Mm-hmm. But you could certainly ease into it because every step that you take is going to be a benefit. 
Man, this has been unbelievable. Um, I, I felt like I was pretty ready and not going to learn anything, but I always get surprised with how much I don't know. And uh, I just appreciate you being willing to, I know you're a busy guy. You've got a family. You've got a very successful um, fitness business. And um, to take this much time to just share this wealth is really, really valuable. And I, I don't take it for granted. Um, oh, I love it. I really appreciate you asking me to be here. For folks who want to find out more about you, see what you're up to, uh, check you out, where, where, where can people find out more about you? Well, I'm all over social media, but I mean, my website, zangreeks.com, would have links to all of those. Mm-hmm. I'm social media at Zangreeks Fitness on Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook as well, Zangreeks. Uh, it's, it's me. I'm the brand. It's not a, yeah, it's yeah. Not a name. But I mean, start with the website and, and Instagram. I'm, I'm there. You're pretty active on social. Yeah, pretty out, active on put, social put on, on Facebook and mm-hmm. Instagram. I'm not I'm not as big of a of a Twitter guy. Uh, it just it's, it's it runs a little too fast for me. But um, <laughs> and I like pictures. So, uh, awesome. but I'm but Facebook, Instagram, and then website zangreeks.com. Awesome, man. We're gonna have to do this again. Please, thanks, man. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode, and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.